time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. Hey, this is Lee Balkum. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast. If you were with me on the last episode, you know that I started talking about the top 10 list of ways you can guarantee not thriving. Suddenly, we were halfway through, and I was through the time that I'd set aside for that particular episode. So I wanted to make sure that we came back and covered the next five because these are ways you can truly make yourself miserable and I wanted to make sure you knew what they were. So just remember, I'm not really here to make you not thrive as much as to point out some ways that people find on how they can keep from thriving. So this is really a way for you to say, hey, do I do any of these things? And if so, how can I change it around? So very briefly, let's go through that first five. The first five, number one, take everything personally. Whatever happens in life, it's your fault. Whenever somebody looks at you wrong, they're thinking badly of you. Just make sure you take things personally, that it's all about you. That's the big thing. It's all about me. Number two, make sure you live in regret every day. If you're having a good time, remember all the places you should have done something different that would have made you at a different place. Remember that there was that sure path that would have gotten you to happiness and you somehow diverted off. And if you do that, you'll make sure that you miss thriving along the way. Number three, refuse to forget. Hold on to everything. I mean, if there's a way to hold on to a slight, you want to hold on to it. It doesn't have to be just the big ones, the little ones too. And by the way, big and little, they can be forgiven, but don't do that. Don't move in that direction. Make sure that you remind yourself not to forgive because when you do that, you'll teach them a lesson. Not really, but make sure that you don't forgive if you want to make sure you're not thriving. Number four, Just think about it. If something is hard, don't do it. Just avoid it. It's the easiest way to make life easy, right? Just don't do anything hard. And there's nothing good that comes from doing something hard except for mastery and maybe some change in your life and finding really cool things out and things like that. But don't do that if you don't want to thrive. Number five, let fear tell you what to avoid. It's a great way of using fear. Every time you feel fear, just move away to something else that doesn't make you fearful. You won't make it very far into very important things in life because the important things really do scare us, but it'll keep you from thriving. So make sure you use fear as an avoidance piece. And number six, the new one, control other people. That's a great sport. If you want to be uh, missing the mark on thriving, if you want to make sure you're not thriving, just spend your days trying to control other people. Try to control their behavior, their thoughts, their beliefs, their actions. Try to make sure that you reach out and control them on a daily basis. You can do it with a spouse. You can do it with kids. You can do it with friends. You can do it with coworkers or even people who work for you or for whom you work. Or maybe you do it on Facebook. You're going to try to control what people think or anywhere else on social media these days where you try to control what people think, believe, what they do. Spend your time doing that and what you'll eventually Notice is you're not thriving because they're not following your rules. And more than that, when they do, they're just angry with you. They're just upset with you, and they do things to spite you, to try to show you can't control them. That's the thing about control. We mistake what we can control. There are only three things that we can control. Our aspirations, our attitude, and our actions. That's it. Now, we can use those to influence those around us, but that's all we can control. Our aspirations, 
the things that we want to move towards, our big dreams, our hopes, our beliefs, we get to choose those. A lot of times people don't choose them, and that's the interesting thing. When we spend our time controlling other people or trying to control other people, we're often not controlling what we can control. So we spend a lot of time controlling what we can't control and not controlling what we can control. Controlling our aspirations, we get to choose those. We can't choose the fears. They just pop in. They just come to us. They, they haunt us at night and sometimes during the day and other times, and they're just there, and they're just pointing out, you need to pay attention to this. So they're going to come upon you, but you get to choose your aspirations, what you're moving towards, what you're hoping for. You also get to choose your attitude. Sometimes people lapse into the attitude of, I can't do this, might as well not even try. I'll just walk away and give up. That's an attitude. The other attitude, the one that I would suggest is one you might want to choose is, I will figure this out. I can figure this out. Not I'll do it. I can do it. I can do anything. I mean, that's, that's what our, kid, our, our parents often told us, right? You can do anything you want to do. Well, we've learned along the way that that might not be quite so easy. So instead of that, we uh, decide to kind of give up or not. It's not a, I can do anything I want as much as it's a, I will figure this out. I will keep on trying. I will keep on pushing. I will keep on learning. That's the attitude. The actions we get, we get to choose what we say and what we don't say, what we do and what we don't do. We get to choose that. So many times I've had, heard somebody tell me after they've said something particularly hurtful or done something particularly hurtful, you know, I, I, it's not my fault. I couldn't control that. It just came out. But that's blaming and pretending that we can't control so that we don't have to face that. I had a person in my office who was ranting at his wife a good bit, and I said, you need to not be using that tone or those words. Those are very hurtful and very angry words, and, and I want you to work on not responding that way. He said, I can't help it. There's nothing I can do about that. And I said, I, I want to ask you a question. Let's say that you and I right now and your wife are sitting in front of a judge. You're in court. Would you ever talk to your wife that way or would you ever talk to the judge that way? He said, oh, no. And I said, why not? He said, well, I'd be afraid I'd get in trouble. And I said, so you can control it, right? I mean, that's what you're telling me is you could control it when you have fear associated with it, but you choose not to. And the fact is that's true for all of us. We can control what we say and what we don't say. We can control what we do and what we don't do. And those are the three things we can control, those three A's, our aspirations, our attitudes, and our actions. Now, we can use that to influence other people. When people watch us living our lives at a good place, it might motivate them to do things differently. But the problem is, and this is where you can really dig in and make sure you're not thriving, try to control them. Try to control their attitude, their actions. Try to control what their aspirations are. And you'll find yourself miserable and probably making them miserable too. Number seven, stay stressed. Just take stress on. You know, one of the things that I've noticed in our culture is that we've almost glorified stress. People talk about how stressed out they are, you know, and they, they take that almost as a badge of honor that they're so stressed out because they have so much going on in life as if there is a badge of honor to that. Now, stress, there's another word for stress. 
we use stress because it makes us feel a little bit better about what's really going on. But when you notice, when people are saying, oh, I'm all stressed out, there actually is another word that we could substitute, and that is fear, fearful. Oh, I'm all fearful, right? And that's what's really going on. Our body is hijacked into fear. So I'm all stressed out about that project that I need to get done. Really is I'm fearful about not getting that project done. I'm fearful about not getting everything done in life. A lot of what happens in stress is based on how we're thinking about things. If you think about that, that really is the heart of it. So let's say that you and I go to an amusement park, and you look at that roller coaster and you say, that scares me to death. I look at the roller coaster and say, that really excites me. Bodily, in ourselves, there's nothing different going on. My heart's racing, your heart's racing, my palms are sweaty, your palms are sweaty, my armpits are sweaty, your armpits are sweaty. Everything's the same in our reaction to that because fear is happening for both of us. But I'm reading it in as excitement, you're reading in as fear or as stress. And the fact is that when we look at it, stress is an internal reaction. Something out there is not doing it. Because other people might not be having that same reaction to the event. So if it's happening to you, if it's causing stress for you, it's from an internal place. It's your reaction to that external place. So the first thing is to recognize that everything can stress you out. That'll keep you from thriving. And the second thing is there's nothing you can do about it. No mindfulness, no meditation, no walking or exercising, no you know, being careful about caffeine. All those things, don't do those. That'll keep you from thriving, right? That'll keep you, keep you stressed out, and then you don't have to worry about thriving. It'll guarantee you don't thrive. Or you could decide that you can address your stress and find better ways of responding to it, better ways of processing it, better ways of understanding it, better ways of having a different internal reaction to it. But if you want to say that you don't want to thrive, just stay stressed out. Make sure that you focus on the things that are stressing you out and that'll guarantee that you don't have to thrive any day. Number eight, focus on what you don't have. Now, this is an easy one to do. Just look around you. Look at the ads that come your way. Look at your friends and the toys they have. Look at the wealthy people around and the toys they have. Look anywhere else and say, oh, I don't have that. It may be even just a neighbor, and, and you might have a lot of things they don't have, but you're going to focus on what they do have. That's, that's the way to make sure that you're not going to step into a thriving life. Focus on what you don't have. Focus on scarcity. We live in a world that is so plentiful, and if you're able to listen to this podcast, you're amongst the plentiful. And because of that plenty, we stand in comparison. If you want to be miserable, use comparison as your yardstick all the time. You can say, oh, I have this, but that's not as much as this, right? I have this, but I don't have that. I might have some uh, cool stuff here, but oh, I don't have those cool things over there. I talked with the person who had this huge collection uh, a pretty impressive collection. It was a motorcycle collection. I said, wow, that is amazing. There, you, you have like everything. He said, no, I don't have this, this, and this, and this, and it's killing me. Unless I have that, my, my collection will not be complete. So I fast forward a couple of years, and I went, and I was visiting him, and he had pretty much all of those. And I said, oh, wow, your 
collection, it's complete. He said, no, I don't have this one, this one, and this one, right? He, it was a continuous list of things that he didn't have. And because of that, he made sure that he was never happy with the collection he did have. We can do one of two things in life. We can focus on our scarcity of what we don't have, and we can keep ourselves miserable, or we can focus on gratitude of what we do have, being thankful for where we are and what we do have, whatever that is. The fact is that where we are right now is so far beyond even the royalty of just a a few centuries back. We have things that they couldn't have dreamed of. I can walk in, in in summer heat. I can walk in and my house is cool, cooler than they would have had in their castle. And in the winter, my house is warm, warmer than they could have in their castle. I just have to change a little dial. That's amazing. I can order something and have it in my house in a few days. Not long ago, it would have taken weeks if I could have gotten it at all. And think about even our food. I can go and get a tropical fruit now that some people would never have seen just even decades ago if they weren't living at that tropical space. And vice versa. We can get things all around, and yet we lose track of that. What we get focused on is what we don't have. We get focused on the lack of. You know, you might have heard about people who decide to practice gratitude. Maybe they even keep a gratitude journal. Don't do that if you don't want to thrive because that'll just get in the way. It'll distract you from what you don't have and get you to a better place. There's so many ways that we practice a scarcity in our life, whether it's those comparison things or whether we just wish for something we don't have. And either way, it gets us away from looking from what we do have. Focusing on what gifts we do have, what fortune we have, what, what, however you want to frame that, however you want to understand that, but focusing on what is there, what's good, what we do have. And that's the big thing. There is that focusing on what's good, what we do have, or what we don't have. Either one's your choice. If you want to make sure you don't thrive, make sure you focus on what you don't have. So number nine It's kind of interesting because you're going to wonder about how it plays against number one. So number one was don't take take anything personally. Number nine is avoid feedback from both people and progress. Just avoid feedback. Don't take any of that in. You see, here's the interesting thing. When people take things very personally, they stop listening to how that might be a growth place for them. One of my coaches uh, got some, uh, it was an angry email and an angry exchange with uh, one of our clients. And uh, my coach uh, struggled with that for a little bit and just and couldn't understand what to do with that because she thought things had gone well with this person. And this person was very upset about it. And then she called me back a little while later and she said, you know what, I've decided that I'm going to take that as free coaching. I said, wow, that's a really good approach to when you get painful feedback. Really good coaching means that you're challenged. And so she said, I'm just going to take it as free coaching. Now, it didn't mean that she had to assume that this person was right as much as she was hearing the perception of that person. So she was not taking it personally, but she wanted to reflect on how that person might have felt her to be um, the way that that person had felt, which was you know, not paying attention to her and, and not being attentive to the situation and not giving any good advice. That was the feedback. 
And she wondered how that had been felt by this person. So first thing she had to do was to make sure that she didn't take it personally, that she was able to give room for the fact that the other person was experiencing something too, but to understand that it was feedback for how she was being experienced. So all around us, we have feedback points all of our lives, and sometimes we push against them. I I know I sometimes do that, um, and probably more often than I care to admit. But one of the things that I've been practicing while I've been practicing jujitsu is practicing the feedback element of that. Instead of being upset and taking it personally that, you know, somehow I should have been better at something, being upset that somebody caught me in, you know, an arm lock or a choke or anything else, I simply have decided that I need to take that as feedback. What does that mean about how I was in that role? What does it mean about how I moved through that? Because there was something I did that allowed that to happen, and and so it's feedback. So whenever I'm tapping, I'm feedback, but it's telling me something. It's teaching me something. It's helping me to develop my skills, whether it's understanding what might happen if I continue to do the same thing I'm doing or if I'm finding a different way around there. And so both by people and progress, we get plenty of feedback in life if we're open to it and allow that to happen. We can't do that, though, if we take everything personally. Instead of that, we have to step back and say, okay, there are things I can learn from places around me. There are places that I can hear more. So when somebody's upset with me, I don't have to take it personally, but I do need to at least listen in for the feedback that might be embedded in there. I might be able to find some place to learn more. When I do that, I begin to enlarge my capacity of learning along the way. So if I want to make sure I don't thrive, the best thing I can do is make sure I don't listen for any feedback. I just put on the blinders and go straight forward, no matter what life is telling me, no matter what people are telling me. One of the reasons that we don't want to listen to people is because we want to be seen as being um, you know, there, having arrived. And there is a belief that we all have that all of our growth is behind us. That's that terminal growth piece that we all kind of have within us that, you know, all the big changes in life, all the big growths in life, it's, it's already happened. It's behind us. We're who we are, and we don't have to change from that. And I see that in so many people in their relationships where they decide that they're there, that it's, they're where they are. Um, I took a question this week in my Save the Marriage podcast about, you know, the fact that there is this belief that we shouldn't be changing. And if we change because something is wrong, then there's something wrong with that. And so we miss the opportunities of growth along the way. The fact is that we are constantly given feedback and we have to sort through it. Just because somebody says something doesn't mean it's true. Just because we're not getting exactly where we want to doesn't mean uh, that we are a failure, but it is feedback it's a place for us to take it in. Just like my coach recognized that just because they were getting, she was getting feedback doesn't mean she needed to change everything about how she did her practice, but she needed to think about that. So if you remember back in school, there was this place probably for you that you had for the same thing I did where I would write a paper and I would turn it in and I would get feedback. What I remembered is that there were two ways that I could approach that. 
One is that I could take the feedback and go, oh, wow, I messed up. I screwed up. I'm a failure. I can't write. I can't do anything. The other was to recognize that the feedback was to help me grow. And it took me a long time to realize that that was what the professors were trying to help me do. Grow. Find a new place to expand. And so sometimes I was very upset that they would give me feedback. I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know, I'd I'd already tried The fact was I hadn't really tried that hard, but I'd already tried. Why should I have to go back and take in their feedback? That became very real to me when I was the professor and I was the one giving feedback. And I was realizing how many people were taking my feedback personally and not allowing it to inform them. So part of my process was to help them understand that the grade they had was the current grade barring them taking my feedback and redoing. Because that's life. We are currently where we are until we take the feedback and say, okay, where can I be differently if I move forward? So if you don't want to thrive, ignore all the feedback. Avoid all feedback from people and progress. Make sure you don't get wrapped up in that because you might thrive on that. The 10th one is the biggest, in my opinion. The 10th one is believe you can't make a difference. Just assume that there's nothing you can do to make the world a better place. Assume that there's nothing that matters, that you're not here for any reason, that it's all just no big deal, that you're here to kind of make it through and have fun and enjoy whatever because there's nothing that's going to come of that. See, I don't think that. I believe that you and I are here because we have a purpose. There's a reason we're here. We have something that only we can give to the world, and it's up to us to figure out what it is. That's our purpose. When we find our purpose, we find our meaning. When we find our meaning, we make an impact. Purpose and meaning create the impact we have in the world. You and I cannot avoid making an impact in the world The question is whether it's going to be a positive impact or negative impact, not whether there is an impact, but what that impact is about. But if you don't want to thrive, ignore that capacity. Ignore the potential you have for impact and make sure that you don't look for it. Just assume that there's nothing you can do. You don't have to change the world, but you might change some small place around it. And maybe you'll change the world, but at least change a small place in it. One of my favorite stories is about the old man who walks out on the beach. It's a bright, sunny morning on the beach. The glare is hitting him. The heat hits him. The sun is shining in the sky. It's still early in the morning, though. And as he looks down the beach, he sees this little girl in a nightgown. He can't tell what she's doing. She's a little far away, but he can tell he's making some motion. There's enough motion, as she kept repeating it, that he decided that he wanted to get a closer look. And so he started walking down the beach and enjoying the breeze and enjoying the sun and enjoying the sounds of the ocean. And as he got closer, he saw that she was picking something up and throwing it into the ocean and picking something up and throwing it into the ocean. And he decided that she was probably just playing a game with the shells. She'd find a shell and toss it in the ocean, just having fun on the shoreline. As he walked along, he started noticing that there was a starfish here and there. He kept on walking and watching what she was doing and a few more starfish. And all of a sudden, he realized that there were starfish everywhere. The whole shore was full of thousands of starfish that had been washed up in the nighttime surf and left 
as the sun was coming up in the daytime heat. Low tide had stranded them, and they were baking in the sun. He watched as they were trying to figure out where to go, but they didn't know where to go. And they were stranded on the beach, and slowly they were drying up and dying. He was a little alarmed by that, but just realized there were so many, there's nothing he could do. So as he approached the little girl, he saw that she was reaching down and picking up a starfish and throwing it into the ocean. And then she was picking up another starfish and throwing it into the ocean, and another into the ocean, and another in, and another, and another, and another. And he walked up to her and said, little girl, what are you doing? She said, I'm saving the starfish. And he looked back at all the thousands that were stranded. And she, he said, don't you realize that there's nothing you can do? There's too many that have washed up. It doesn't matter what you do. It won't matter. And she looked at him as she picked one more up and threw it in and said, it matters to that one. And she picked up another and threw it in the ocean and said, it matters to that one. And picked up another and threw it in and said, it matters to that one. The little girl had realized that she couldn't save them all, but she was going to save what she could. She was going to do what she could where she was with what she had. And what she had was her little hand to pick up one starfish at a time and throw it into the ocean. It's not a question of whether you can make a difference in the world, but how we look for the opportunities of making a difference in the world. Now, if you don't want to thrive, don't look for those opportunities. Don't focus your life on that. Focus on what you can get out of life. Focus on what you can get from the world. Don't focus on what you might want to give to the world. On how you might step into your place of impact in the world. To look for where you can make that positive impact in the world. The trick to thriving is weaving all these pieces together and making sure you're living a life of impact. So if you don't want to thrive, make sure that you're not living a life of positive impact in the world. Make sure you're there to get what you can. That's it. Those are the 10 secrets to how you can make sure you don't thrive in life. Now, let's assume that maybe you've decided that you would rather firm up the places that you're thriving and maybe add some more pieces to your thriving. If that's the case, I would love it if you would check out my book, Thrive Principles. There are 15 strategies built in to how you can thrive in the world. And it's so much more important, I believe, for us all to find those places of how we can thrive in the world rather than continuing the patterns that keep us from thriving. The more that thrive, the more that our world can thrive. The more that make a difference, the more our world is different. So I hope you'll join me in that as I try to move forward in thriving in my own life. And I hope you'll find ways of thriving more in your life. Again, find my book at thriveprinciples.com. That's thriveprinciples.com. Or find it wherever you like to get your books. I wish you the best as you build your thriving life. listening to the Thrivology podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thrivology.com or at thrivologymagazine.com. Remember that Thrivology is spelled T H R I V E O L O G Y. It's your life. Time to live it. Uh-huh.